special science fiction theater edition of Look at His Butt, a review of A Klingon Christmas Carol. Hello, listeners. Welcome to a special mini edition of Look at His Butt. This is a theater review, a special news segment that we'll be doing once in a while, and we wanted to get it out quickly because it's a review of a show that's currently playing in Chicago, so we wanted you all to have the opportunity to go see it if you happen to get a chance. So enjoy. We'll be back soon with another full show. Welcome to Sci-Fi Theater. Okay. Um <laughs> this is a new segment because Sci-Fi Theater. Just a few days ago, um I saw two science fiction uh theater pieces. That's so cool. I know, it was just great. And um so I'm going to review them. And um, one was really good, and one was bleh, and we're going to talk uh, about reasons why. Uh, <laughs> so this is compare and contrast. Um, now, this was here in Chicago, and the first mm-hmm. one was A Klingon Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And it was presented by Commedia Beauregard Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the second one was called All Childish Things. And I'm flipping through the program to find out who produced this. Um, Hubris, is that how you pronounce it? Excessive pride? Hubris? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hubris Productions presented that. <laughs> That's a pretty funny name. Yeah, and it's pretty, well, anyway. Um, so <laughs> that runs till December 17th, and Klingon Christmas Carol runs till December 31st. So hopefully you will get to hear these, this uh, segment uh, before they close so you can make your decisions based mm-hmm. on my input about whether or not you're going to go. <laughs> so first one I saw was Klingon Christmas Carol. And <laughs> just, just the name. Just yes. the name makes you laugh. Well, here's the thing. Those of you who listen to the show know I'm not like a big Klingon person. So I basically, <laughs> I basically went to both of these for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this, this is something I did for you. And anybody who knows me um, really well knows that other than Mr. Magoo's version, I'm not really a fan of Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that had two strikes against it starting out. But I got to tell you, this show was so good. That's wonderful. Now, now, isn't this something that's toured? Like people do it in different places? Well, um, from what I learned in the program, um, this started a few years ago in Minneapolis. Ah, okay. And they've been doing it here in Chicago now. This was their second year. So I don't know if it's done in different places or, or what the deal is. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to discuss it in some detail. So if you, aren't going to, if you are planning to see it, I would suggest you like fast forward a few minutes <laughs> because there will be spoilers. Spoilers! And a lot of the fun of this was not knowing what was going to come up. So, so I'm just telling you that. Okay. Okay. Spoilers. So, this show, first of all, it's, it's in you know, like a medium-sized theater. I think the theater could probably seat maybe 100. And there was an audience of 60-some, mm-hmm. which, which is good, you know, for, for that mm-hmm, type of thing, especially when there's so much competition at Christmas to get people into these hokey things. Um, and I was actually very impressed by how much money had gone into this. Be- and all of it <laughs> went into, I believe, costumes, wigs, and makeup. That's what I would have predicted, yes, definitely. Yes, and they were really good. <laughs> 
I mean, they did an outstanding job with that. So, you know, that was great right from the start. And the set pieces, you know, were very minimal and easily moved around. And, you know, so that was great. But they, they really, they had really done their work. Whoever wrote and designed this show, you know, is obviously a big fan of Klingons and Star Trek. Well, here's what amazed me. They actually do the whole thing in Klingon. <gasps> really? Yes. Wow. And so they have a, a screen up above, like at the opera, you know, the uh -huh, super titles, uh -huh. doing the translations. <laughs> and some of the translations were very funny. But it, it was just amazing how, how good the actors were. And the thing is, although there were some wonderfully comic, comic moments, it wasn't played for camp. Mm -hmm. It was played, you know, as seriously as you could play it, as the Klingon version. And the, the Klingon version of A Christmas Carol is not... Christmas, you know, the, the mm -hmm. Christmas Carol is the story of this miser finding his humanity. This is the story of a coward finding his Klingon courage. Ooh. But it is a holiday that I believe they called um, the Festival of the Long Night. Okay. Where the, the, the Klingons, you know, party and drink and celebrate th their heroism, their strength, their courage, and on you know that's like christmas eve and then on what would be christmas day they have these competitions to uh -huh. fight each other you know and show off how great they are so they had klingonized all of the names so scrooge was scooja <laughs> and he was this old coward who had never completed the um the rite of ascension the thing with the pain sticks uh-huh okay you know he ran away and hid and that that whole thing and so everybody has contempt for him but it starts out with a Vulcan woman coming out mm. and informing us in English that um, that we are at the like Vulcan Institute of Cultural Studies <laughs> and that um, this you know we're going to be looking at this Klingon festival and this Klingon s story um, and it's going to be performed for, for us by the, the, like the Klingon intergalactic players or something <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> but um, she was a hoot because she kind of looked like, and she very much played this. <laughs> like if you ever watched Third Rock from the Sun, uh -huh. there was a professor called Judith mm -hmm. who had no emotion and just mm -hmm. spoke in a very flat tone. And that's how this woman did it. And she would occasionally come out and do a little more narration. And at one point, she had to, to I don't know, it, it was near the end, so it was maybe when Scoojo realized he was seeing his own future, and she said, and he realized he was seeing his own future. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so it had some really cool stuff in it. But, um, so, you know, that's basically the story. So he is visited by the three spirits of uh, Kala's past, Kala's mm -hmm. present and mm -hmm. Kala's yet to come. Well, here was the most amazing attention to detail, and I just sat there grinning. The ghost of Kala's past mm -hmm. was a TOS Klingon. <gasps> Ooh. No head ridges, you know, dressed like Puerto Rican or looked like Puerto Rican Puerto and dressed Rican. in gold lame, you know, from the song. Uh -huh. So I just thought that was so amazingly cool. That's great. Wow. The other really wonderful thing is Tiny Tim, who is called Tim Holm, was played by a puppet. 
So we get to the scene at, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Cratchit, who was Catchit, spelled with a Q. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the wife and daughter are setting the table for their feast. And um, in comes Catchit with Tiny Tim on his shoulder, this, <laughs> this like marionette. And walking behind him is the woman who controls it. She's all dressed as a full Klingon. But, you know, she's doing all the puppet motions and doing his lines and everything. But the puppet stole the whole show because all he had to do was move his head and we all burst out yeah. laughing, you know. Oh. But it was just so funny because the, this, and his, his little crutch was a mm-hmm. bat left. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole thing was that little sickly tiny Tim was training for his right of ascension. And, you know, so it's just pathetic. He's so weak and, you know, because his father has to work all this time for Scooja, he doesn't have time to train with him. But, you know, little um, Tim Holm has has the heart of a warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he's just a puppet. Even though he's just a puppet. So, um... And that was just great. So we go through the whole story. And the thing is, they, they, they stuck to the basic story and the structure and everything, except that it was all about, you know, fighting and being mm-hmm. courageous. And, of course, at, at the end of it, um, Skuja, you know, finds his courage. And when he goes to uh, Catchett's house, you know, he, he tells them that they should postpone Tim Holmes' right of ascension um, for a year, and that they will train together, and oh. you know, do this and and become mm-hmm. become brave, and and you know, so that was cool. But there was uh, some really wonderful, wonderful stuff, and one of the things that really stuck with me, other than the TOS Klingon, was um, everybody I think pretty much knows the story. So you know, he's with the ghost of uh, yet to come, mm-hmm. and it shows him you know his grave and everything yeah, else. Yeah. And then the ghost goes away, and Scrooge or Scooja is left in this place he doesn't know where he is. And this mm-hmm. is where he has his big, you know, moment of realization. Well, uh, you know, so Scooja, who is a fantastic actor, was standing there on stage, you know, going, where am I in Klingon? And you hear this noise of stamping feet, like boom, 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 boom. And the whole back screen turned red bright red and this was a very large cast i swear there were like 30 people and so they're in silhouette the the other klingons go marching across really slowly and and he realizes that he is seeing the dead on their march to whatever their place of you know Mm -hmm. glory and death is and it was really effective and it really gave me chills and and they just kept coming all through this long thing, because of course, you know, when you got that many people, you can run around and go again. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was just really theatrical and really cool. That's great. I wish I'd seen that. Yes, I wish. Really I good. wish you had. Well, here's the other funny thing. Of course, the audience was a lot of, uh, you know, Trekkies, but they had, you know, brought non-Trekkie friends, and I ran into a friend of mine there. <laughs> so we sat together, and she's not really a, you know, a Trekkie. And um, and she had another friend with her who was, you know, more into it. And she was sitting between us, and every now and then we'd be laughing, and she'd go, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just really funny. Afterwards, I heard um, 
some some Trekkie explaining to a non-Trekkie friend why it got such a big laugh when the translation was red shirt. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of interesting to, to see what, you know, the non-Trekkie mm-hmm. audience picked up on it and, and what the rest of us did. But the other thing is um, the cast stayed on stage afterwards very you know they wisely realized people mm-hmm. wanted pictures of them mm-hmm. in these amazing costumes and makeup and you could talk to them and everything so that was really cool that they stayed there and and did that you know and I got a picture of myself and Scooja <laughs> and um and of little Tim Hom and <laughs> and you know I, I spoke to the Vulcan woman and she stayed writing character through throughout but it, it was just a really wonderful evening, and I think part of why I enjoyed it and was able to enjoy the theatricality of it and the basic story is, although I know what's coming because I know the basic story, I didn't know how they were going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. what was going mm-hmm. to be the Klingon version of this? What was mm-hmm. going to happen? What were we going to see? So it was really kind of fresh. That's great. And and as we've said many times before, what makes or breaks something like that is how seriously they take it, right? Right. Because if they weren't taking it seriously, if they were playing it for camp, it wouldn't really be enjoyable. No. I mean, it you know, it had humor. It had funny stuff in it. And that's true to the Dickens story as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely was not campy. And they didn't do things like have any of the Star Trek characters appear as one of the ghosts or mm-hmm. anything. They were yep. all... You know, Klingons. The whole yeah. thing was Klingons and, and a Klingon puppet. And, um, you know, so, and like I say, the acting was really good. The guy playing Scooja was was just fantastic. And, wow. you know, again, it's like the Esperanto thing to memorize all this. Yeah. In, in Klingon and to give it meaning. It, in many ways, was almost Shakespearean. That is so cool. Yes. I'm, I'm sure that I've seen ads for that here in the Bay Area. You, if, if they're doing it anywhere, I would really recommend that you try to see it mm-hmm. uh, because this this was really wonderful. I just want to look at the program here and see if it says who wrote it or anything. Oh, here's the other thing. They even had Klingon ads <laughs> in the program. <laughs> That's oh, and great. also at the end of it, there was a phrase, you know, that... Um, that they repeated throughout that, you know, that was kind of a generic Klingon phrase that could mean good or hip hip hooray or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But basically the translation is we are Klingon, which mm-hmm. is Klingon ma. <laughs> and, and at the end, that's, <laughs> that's what Tim Hom says instead of God bless us everyone. <laughs> so that was, was really cool. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, the playwrights are Christopher O. Kidder and Sasha Wallach. I've never heard of those people. Okay, here's the names of the translators. <laughs> the translators. Um, Laura Thurston, Bill Hedrick, Chris Lipscomb, and Christopher O. Kidder. Okay. So, anyway, I, uh, I thought that was wonderful. Well, okay, well, I'm jealous that you got to see that. Yes. Now, on to the other show, which you will not be so jealous of. <laughs> That was the good thing. Now we're going to have the bad thing. Now, this is all, there was a little play called All Childish Things. And what it was about was geeks planning a heist of a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, it was also in the same theater complex, but in one of the smaller theaters, which seated, could seat about 60, and there were 12. Okay. Okay. So first of all, the math, that proves, you know, 
Star Trek is five times as good as oh, Star yeah. Wars, right? Okay. Of course. So this play um, had problems just as a play. Um, it's, you know, these three geek guys, and the one has a girlfriend, who, of course, the rest of them all hate. So it was kind of a mashup of um, uh, Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. And because um, the girl, of course, doesn't know anything about Star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and a, and like a heist story, and it yeah. didn't didn't work on either level. <laughs> what what was that movie that we haven't seen? Was it called Fanboys? Yes. Uh, so that it sounds a lot like that. Parts right. Of it. And um, so I'll just tell you, you know, basically my review as a theater thing, and then there's something that came up in the play that I want to discuss, but um, it had. It, it had, you know, really nothing new to say about either of those topics. And the, their set decorations, there was Star Wars stuff all over it, and they did acknowledge an audience member who was there that night um, as a person who had lent them a lot of this stuff. So that was oh. kind of cool. Okay. But there wasn't enough Star Wars-y stuff in it for it to really be great for Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. I didn't think. And it wasn't a good enough play hmm. to be theatrically appealing. Um, in fact, in, in a way, the heist thing was so generic that I was thinking, you know, this could almost be more interesting if these were professional thieves who didn't give a shit about Star Wars, <laughs> but, you know, had this great plan because they were going to sell this stuff for a lot of money, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But it just, it, it really didn't work. And now we'll get on to um, Star Trek versus Star Wars. <laughs> This is the one point in the whole play where I sat up and thought they were going to really hit on something. And this was in Act One. And um, they're asking the girl, why do you hate Star Wars? You know, you're a, 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 a film student. You know, she's majoring in film. Or she just graduated or whatever. And you should appreciate that. And she goes, that's why I don't like it. They're very flawed films. And um, she brings up something. I saw the first three you know, mm-hmm. each of them once. So I don't remember much about them. But I'm taking her word for it that it was a pretty accurate description of this thing that I believe happened in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. Where movie. the heroes all managed to break into some fortress or something and rescue their buddies. Mm-hmm. And even though their plan goes to shit and they're outnumbered like 200 to 1 and the whole thing, they managed to pull it off without a scratch. Mm-hmm. And the, the lead geek goes, yes, epic heroism. And she goes, no, empty heroism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I went, whoa, 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 what? And, um, and she went on to explain. She said, epic heroism comes at a great personal cost. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. I mean, you know, you could just like go through flip cards of Star Trek and come up with, you know, examples of that. And then at the end of the play, I thought, okay, maybe now they had this opportunity for there to be epic heroism. And again, spoiler alert, they do, they do not manage to steal all these things they, they plan to steal. But they did get the one most valuable thing. Mm-hmm. And the plan was to sell it. Well, of course, the head geek cannot bear to mm-hmm, sell this mm-hmm. because it's one of a kind and he runs off with it. So the other guy's going to get killed by a mafia guy who's a Star Wars fan. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, but then he comes back and does sell it to him. And I thought, okay, maybe 
that's, you know, to, to save his friends. And I thought, okay, maybe that's their idea of epic heroism, but here's where it fails. The guy only owned the thing for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, his huge collection is entirely intact, so it's not like he had to sacrifice mm -hmm. that which meant a lot to him. And then at the end, they all end up better off than they were. They learn nothing huh. about all childish things or anything, but like the head geek gets offered this fantastic job, um, you know, s hunting out Star Wars artifacts for the, the mafia guy. Um, the guy and the girlfriend are going to get married and have a lot of money. And, you know, I mean, it all works out for everybody. And I thought, okay, so this is like a reset button with a bonus. Yeah, really. But there was, there was no arc as far as anything coming out of this. Yeah, huh. And I, I really thought hmm. there was going to be something, you know, since they had had that discussion. Mm -hmm. about them realizing what epic heroism really was and having to make a sacrifice and maybe, you know, realizing that these things that have meant a lot to them are just childish things. Mm -hmm. But none of that happened. Oh. Well, that's very disappointing. Well, it was. And, you know, the thing was only like an hour and 45 minutes long, and I swear it felt like three. <laughs> because it also had no dynamics to it. Most of it was arguing with each other. Mm, that's, I was just going to say, it sounds like a lot of people talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yes. That's kind of what I got the impression of. Yes, yeah. it absolutely was. Yeah. Um, I, I, as you were saying that, a few things just popped into my mind, and one is that, um, yes, it's true, that that is sort of a hallmark of the Star Wars pictures, that there's a lot of shooting and, and narrow escapes, but nothing bad really happens, except to Luke Skywalker, who does lose his hand. Mm -hmm. um, but he gets a robot one, and then they kind of forget about it after a while. Um, and then I believe we mentioned this once before. Um, Princess Leia sees the planet blown up. Right. And that's sort of glossed over like it didn't really mean very much. Mm -hmm. And there's no repercussions for that whatsoever. You know, it's never referred to again in any of the movies. Yeah. Just like, whoop, it's gone. And then that just got me to thinking, you know... Um, in the next Star Trek movie... <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going. Go ahead. Is this going to be an important thing for uh, Spock that uh, his planet got blown up? Like, are they going to mention it? Is he going to have this deep sorrow that he carries around? Well... Is, you know, like, are we going to see how that affects his character? Because if we don't, if they just kind of forget about the fact that his entire species is now reduced to, you know, what, 30 people or something, mm -hmm. I'm going to be pretty annoyed. Well, be prepared to be pretty annoyed because <laughs> based on what we saw in the first movie, the people in charge of this do not have any understanding of the heroism that was at the heart of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And we, we saw that in their interpretation of Kirk. And, you know, his whole thing is a doofus and a guy who can't get laid, which is like, what, 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 what? You know, it's like you put George Costanza in there or something. Um, so I'd say, yeah, it's probably not going to be a big deal. Remember, I did, I think we talked about this. I had read something where somebody associated with the franchise said, well, you know, we might not be done with Vulcan. I mean, this is, you know, <sighs> science fiction. It could come back. 
Oh, please. Also, oh. while we're on the topic, it is looking more and more like the villain's going to be Khan. <sighs> because um, they, were, they were like this close to signing Benicia Del Toro. Mm -hmm. And then he, they couldn't settle on money. So he's out now. And they're supposed to start filming next month. So they need to find somebody to play the villain. And um, I just read something today. The two actors they are considering or who are their, you know, their prime contenders for this role of the villain were two mm -hmm. actors I'd never heard of. But they um, are both uh, Spanish, Latin, hmm. something. So it's like, okay, um, it's going to, and there is just so much rumor, but I'm thinking it's going to be Khan. And these guys have so little imagination that instead of hiring someone who maybe actually is Indian, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, you know, they're gonna hire a, a Mexican or a Spaniard or you know, a Brazilian or something like that. So, um, and they're probably gonna reboot the con episode about it as effectively as that comic book did the Gary Mitchell one. You know, that's just what I was thinking. It's like that comic book is sort of encapsulates all that is wrong with yeah. the, the franchise right there. That's it, except it didn't have lens flares. <sighs> Well, that's depressing. Well, anyway, um, I'm very happy that you saw the Klingon Christmas thing, and I'm sad that you had to sit through the Star Wars thing. Well, um, you know, that, that's okay. But um, I'm really urging everybody, if they are doing Kl Klingon Christmas Carol somewhere near you, and certainly if you're, you're here in Chicago, mm -hmm. um, I would say definitely go see it because yeah. it's really good and it's really fun. And like I say, it kind of um, – it gave me a nice, nice, fresh, enjoyable view of Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And and as they've said in the movies, Dickens is so much better in the original Klingon. No, they said Shakespeare. I know, but I was just extending oh, okay. it to Dickens. <laughs> All classic literature, better in the original Klingon. Well, you know, I, I have to agree. <laughs> you know, in a way, though, when I was watching it, um, when there were long segments of, uh, you know, the Klingon making their speeches and everything like this, um... In that way, I felt it almost hurt that they were doing the thing in Klingon because mm -hmm. these are actors, they're, they're really playing the roles. And as they're, they're playing the role, you know, like the whole line comes up mm -hmm. on the screen, but, you know, it takes them two or three beats longer to finish saying it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, at times it almost seems slow because of that. Mm -hmm. But then because some of the best punchlines were in the translations you know it's like a trade it's like a trade-off yeah yeah but it definitely fun um the the ghost of Callis uh present there was some nice sort of slapstick humor in that segment which is mm -hmm. as it should be so um yeah i was just really pleased with the whole thing Wow. Well, that's great. Well, I hope that Star Trek theater uh, becomes uh, a regular feature on this show because there's enough Trek theater out there that, yes. that we could see it and review it. Yeah. Wow. Well, th thank you. Thank you for that review. Well, you know, I, you know, if it hadn't been for the podcast, I probably would not have gone. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, if you happen to see any Trek themed theaters, theater performances let us know and if you happen to see Klingon Christmas let us know what you thought about it because we'd be interested to hear that mm -hmm. we definitely would all right um well let's let's close out this segment I wish I I knew how to say Merry Christmas in Klingon but maybe you can say that thing and that'll be our, our well because they don't say Merry Christmas they, they say Merry Klingon Christmas. Mach. 
Klingon Mach. Yep. There we go. 